0: The podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Well, good morning, everybody. It is lovely to see you in church today. Fantastic to be able to worship with you. Welcome, whether you're here in the building or whether you're joining us online or catch up uh, on DVD later. It's just great to be able to uh, enjoy God's presence with you. My name is Paul Cook. I'm one of the leaders here, and we're continuing this morning uh, in our series called Living With Thorns. And we've got to the third one in the series. We've got one more to come next week. And today we're thinking about the subject of growing old with thorns. And as we've done uh, for everyone in the series, we've got a name of God from the Old Testament to help focus our thoughts as well. Uh, The Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and there are lots of different ways in which the writers try and capture something of the richness and the beauty of God's character. Uh, And one of the ways they do it is through this name, Elohim Machaseh. And that's Hebrew for God of refuge. The Elohim bit is the God bit in Hebrew, and Machaseh, means refuge in Hebrew. And the psalm that we're going to be looking at this morning, Psalm 91, is where we find that word refuge. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my machaseh, and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. We're going to look at Psalm 91 in just a moment. When we read Psalm 91, if you've never read it before, it it, it is an incredible psalm. But, you know, it's incredible in the sense that there are just incredible promises and and reassurances in that psalm. But sometimes people think of it as an incredible psalm because it seems too good to be true. Um, And if we feel that as we're reading it, it might help to remember that it was originally uh, meant to be read as part of a pair. The book of Psalms is divided into five separate chunks. Uh, and at the beginning of chunk four, book four, we've got Psalm 90. And Psalm 90, if we were to read it, it's quite a, quite a gloomy kind of psalm. It's, it's very downbeat. But Psalm 91 that comes straight after it is very upbeat. And I think that's quite deliberate because the psalmist uh, is wanting to encourage us to think about the whole spectrum of life. And this morning, as we're continuing our series thinking about mental well-being and mental health, it might help to think about mapping those psalms onto what people call the mental health continuum. We're all on the mental health continuum. And at different points in our lives, often at different points in our days, we might find ourselves moving up and down the continuum. Well, Psalm 90 is one of those psalms that's more at the sort of languishing end of the spectrum. And Psalm 91, more at the flourishing end of the spectrum. And I think it's amazing that God's word speaks to us wherever we are and whatever we're going through. So Psalm 90, I said we should really read the two as a pair. I'm not going to read Psalm 90 because that would take us too long with 91. But I just want to read one verse to you, which sums up the idea that life is tough and particularly with the ageing process, life is, is hard. This is what it says, verse 10 of Psalm 90. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them, the best of those years are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and we fly away. As I say, Psalm 90 is quite downbeat in how it talks about life. But I expect we've all thought Things like that at times, irrespective of what our age is. Life is tough, but Psalm 91 proclaims that God is good. So we'll read it together in a moment. Let me just pray before we open God's word together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word that speaks to us in the different seasons of our lives and in the different emotions of our days. Thank you that you're a God who speaks to the reality of what it means to be human, living in this broken world of ours. As we open your word now and as we read it, Lord, I pray that having inspired these words through your Holy Spirit in the first place, Holy Spirit, you will bring these words to our hearts and to our minds and to our lives and apply them so that we may hear what the Spirit has to say to us as a church this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, Psalm 91. Uh, if you've got your own copy, please do open it, but otherwise, the words are here on the screen. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most, of the most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. They say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In whom I trust, surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A 1,000 may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Life is tough, but God is good. As I said, an incredible psalm, but perhaps also an incredible psalm. And those questions that we might have, uh, I think, are summarized very nicely by uh, the folk who wrote the NIV application commentary. They, They put it this way. The amazing claims of Psalm 91, and and they are amazing. And I know people who've claimed these promises and said, this has been true for me. This miraculous protection has been true for me. These amazing claims are a challenge for any Christian believer who looks around his or her church congregation. And as I look around this congregation, I know some of the things that some of you have gone through or are going through. How can we reconcile the great promises of protection with the difficulties believers face in the reality of daily life? Or looking outwards overseas, what do believers tortured for their faith? Of which there are tens of thousands probably in the world today. We've got our world watch list map showing where it costs most to be a Christian in the world today where persecution is the greatest. What do they make of the promise that no harm will overtake you in Psalm 91 and verse 10? Those are real questions. Those are important questions. And I think the answer, as it nearly always is, is to read this psalm through the lens of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if we do that, then it will really help us um, understand how we should approach these kinds of psalms. Actually, in this psalm, that's quite easy to do because as we were reading it, I wonder if you know the story of Jesus, if you thought, oh, hang on, that sounds a bit familiar. Those words, they sound a bit familiar. If you were thinking that, it's probably because you recognised verses 11 and 12 from the gospel, from Matthew chapter four and from Luke chapter four. And they're spoken of all people by the devil. If you remember... Jesus spent a a period of 40 days before his ministry started uh, in prayer and in fasting. And we're kind of commemorating that through the season of Lent at the moment in the church. And at the end of that season, the devil tempts him in various ways. And one of those temptations is he takes him up to the top of the, the, the Jerusalem temple. And he says to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Because it's written... And then he quotes from Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, about the angels protecting and not striking a foot against a stone. And it's interesting how Jesus replies to him. Jesus, in Matthew 4, answered the devil, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test, quoting from Deuteronomy, another part of the Old Testament. Now, partly Jesus is is giving us very sensible advice here that we shouldn't, do something foolish in order to test how much God loves us. That's never a good thing to do. But I think more broadly than that, Jesus is saying to us, it's always possible to take a verse of scripture and to build a huge big thing on it, like Psalm 91 verses 11 and 12. Okay, throw yourself off and see that God will protect you and you won't, you won't bash your foot against the stone. But Jesus is saying, no, there are other places we need to look in God's word. And we need to keep the different things that are in God's word in tension and in balance and in harmony to see the fullness of God's message for us. And I'm sure that's part of what he was doing uh, in that temptation. And when we think about the Lord Jesus Christ's experience, well, is it true? That he loved God the Father. Of course it is. Whoever loved God the Father more than God the Son. Is it true that the Father rescued him? Absolutely he rescued him. But he still had to go through the horror of the crucifixion. God the Father did deliver his Son. He did give him the greatest honour when he sat him down at his right hand after the ascension, he did give him resurrection life, the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep in Christ. And he did through him open the way of salvation. But he still had to go through the cross. He still had to go through the horror of Passion Week, didn't he? And I think Perhaps there's that little verse in the middle, that line in the middle of verse 15, which I find particularly helpful in this psalm, I will be with him in trouble. I'm not going to take him out of trouble. I'm not going to take you, God the Father says, necessarily out of trouble, but I'm going to go with you in your trouble. Security in rather than security from is what I see in the whole of scripture. There are two lovely images of the God of refuge in this psalm. You've got in verse two the image of God as a fortress, powerful, strong, impregnable. And then in verse four, you've got the complementary image of God, almost like a mother hen, uh, covering us with feathers and inviting us to come and take refuge under his wings. And I don't know which one of those two images of the God of refuge speaks to your situation most powerfully today. But I pray that all of us will experience God as Elohim Macheseh, the God of strength and the God of comfort as we bring our lives to him today. Now, um, most of you won't have been in the bathroom in our house. But I go there quite often. And um, in the bathroom in our house is this. Uh, we've got a verse from Psalm 91. And uh, we're not the kind of house that's got like you know Bible verses literally all over the walls. We've got a few, but it's strange that we've got this one. Why have we got this one with an actual feather? He will cover you with his feathers in our bathroom. Well, it's because Sarah, my wife, made it a few years ago when she was going through her cancer treatment. And after the operations and as she was going through the chemo and the radiotherapy, we tried to go out for a walk most days. And on the days that we went out for a walk, Sarah nearly always found a white feather somewhere on the walk. It was extraordinary. Um, And when she shared this with somebody else in the church who was going through a similar experience, they said, oh, Psalm 91 verse 4. He will cover you with his feathers. And so Sarah collected these feathers in a jar and she made this, uh, this board to remind me and to remind her of God's goodness. She was still going through cancer, but God was covering her, covering us as a family with his feathers. But actually for me personally, uh, it was probably the more the stronghold image that was particularly powerful for me. Um, because sometimes I just felt like I needed God's absolute, you know, kind of solid protection around me, and not just for those time that time of Sarah's experience of cancer, but actually through the last few years, we've had a lot of challenges as a family. Um, back in 2014, my mama passed away, uh, and on the death certificate it said cause of death: vascular dementia. And that was my first experience of what it was like to have a family member go through that. Well, my my dad wasn't coping very well with being on his own, so we moved in together. We sold our house, he sold his house, and in the beginning of 2015, we bought a house together. The idea was he would live independently, um, and we'd take care of the things he wasn't enjoying doing, and everything would be really, really good. But three months after he moved in with us, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And all of a sudden, what we thought was going to be the future looked quite different. But actually, the first couple of years, Dad Dad did really well with the disease. It was okay, just as well, because in 2016, it was Sarah's dad who got very unwell. Um, And he passed away in the August of that year. Uh, So Sarah was doing an awful lot of caring during that period. And then 2017, well, that was the year when my dad really started to go downhill And by the end of the year, to be honest, I was at the end of my tether. I don't think I I had much left to give. And the complexity of what he was going through was beyond what I could cope with. So I was clinging on to those images of God as my fortress, my stronghold, really, really needing those verses. But eventually we we felt the only safe thing to do was for dad to go to a care home. So he did that. Uh, in uh, In the May of 2018, Sarah and I just went, oh, okay, dad's okay, he's safe, we can breathe. And two months later, she was diagnosed with cancer. And at one level, we thought, really, really, God? But at another level, we could see, actually, God's timing was lovely, because we didn't have to worry about looking after my dad with his complex needs at home we could just focus our energy and attention on looking after Sarah at home. So yes, God was good, even in those difficult times. Well, Sarah, thank God, literally thank God, uh, is making a very good recovery. But my dad just continued to, to fade. And in February 2020, he passed away. But I can say that God has been my refuge throughout these difficult years. And my hope and my prayer is that each and every one of us will be able to say that too, to know that God is the stronghold that we need when times are tough, and he's also the protection that we need when we feel vulnerable. Elohim machaseh. Thanks be to God. We'll pray to conclude Uh, My presser isn't working. Can you move me on, please? Thank you. This is a prayer that um, I've adapted from a nice uh, devotional book called Psalms for the Anxious Heart. So um, if you want to close your eyes and listen, that's fine. If you want to see the words, they will be on the screen as well. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we praise you that you are Elohim Machaseh, our refuge and our fortress. Even though it seems as though the earth is quaking, you are our place of shelter. We praise you that as we take cover under your protective wings, we can know your peace. Help us to make our refuge and our dwelling in you. Thank you that you are with us in times of trouble. Thank you for sending Jesus to dwell among us, bringing us deliverance, honour and salvation. Please enable us to receive your salvation and to experience it more and more fully. In Jesus' name, amen. At this point in the service, I was going to invite James Mulcahy up to come and talk to us, but unfortunately, James is not well enough to, he can't be here today. Uh, So we've got a video in which James will explain a little bit about what he does in relation to caring for older people. Thank you. Right, James, um, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're not feeling very well, but um, it's lovely to be able to um, have this interview with you by, via Zoom. We would have preferred it in person but uh, but there we go. Um, anyway yeah would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself for those who don't know you?
1: Um, hello Paul, hello everybody. Um, I'm James Mulcahy. I'm a member of Belmont Chapel. I've been a Christian believer since I was a teenager. Um, I'm a husband to Jane, a father to three teenagers and uh, I've been working as a doctor for uh, over 20 years, for, for uh, nearly 18 of those, I've mainly been looking after older people, uh, poorly older people in hospital, um, often with a with a, a crisis, either a physical health or, or sometimes mental health crisis. Um, uh, I, I also have supported people with, you know, less acute, longer term problems, both in hospital and out of hospital.
0: Okay, lovely. Thank you very much, James. Um, What kind of challenges can older people face with their mental health? Um,
1: So any and all of the same things which can affect younger adults, um, but there may be some differences or extra challenges for older people. Hmm. Um, Obviously, there can be additional struggles with physical health uh, and illness, um, problems with, um, diet appetites um, chewing problems with just day to day activities uh, physical ability to get out of the house to exercise which you know all these things are important for mental health mm. um, isolation social isolation and loneliness um, is you know a particular problem for 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 some older people and and of course the pandemic has has massively you know made this massively worse um, I think that mental health problems can be under-recognised in, in older people. Um, I, I, th- I think it's fair to say the, the media conversation about mental health recently, although it's been fa- fantastic, really useful, I think that conversation tends to focus on, on younger people, younger adults. Um, and, and also mental illness can, can look, can feel different for older people. Um, for example, depression. Often older people won't say they feel low or depressed, um, but they'll have physical symptoms like weight loss, lack of energy, sleep disturbance, and so it can be harder for people to recognise it and then for someone to get the help that they need. Um, and then I think self-esteem it can be another challenge. I, I think I think our society, I think society in the UK and and, and, and beyond, they probably don't, respect and cherish the older generation as as perhaps they did in the past or perhaps they should Um, uh, and and of course self-esteem and and value and self-worth are so crucial for for anyone's well-being you know mental or otherwise
0: yeah absolutely yeah yeah thank you um so um you said you looked after people with with dementia um what sort of issues do you see for them
1: um so for someone with with dementia uh, life can be bewildering uh, for for a whole number of reasons um but they can also experience other mental health problems and, and emotional problems um so they they can become anxious mm. can become depressed um but uh it can be hard for them to express themselves um and therefore difficult for others to recognize it or, or to get to the root of what's distressing them mm. um you know, communication problems, uh, behavioural changes—they they can affect relationships between people with dementia and their, their friends and family. Um, so, so it can be really hard, really hard. E- even 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 for someone whose dementia is, is quite mild, um, the, the the effect can be devastating. Um, and I mean, I've, I talked about family members, and of course, lots of carers are actually their family members themselves, or someone with dementia or, or other mental problems. Um, And they they can feel at their wits' end. They can be exhausted physically um, as well as emotionally um, because of the the additional demands of having to support a loved one.
0: Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, So what perspective can a Christian believer have on all this, do you think?
1: Um, I don't want to come across as glib or make out this is simple, but I I think... um, first of all, remembering that physical strength, physical health or mental ability is not what makes a person. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God in his image. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to misquote or paraphrase uh, a psychologist, Oliver Sacks. He said, a person does not consist of memory alone. They have feeling, will sensibilities moral being um i, th- I th- and as i said we god has made us in his image and 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 whatever age we are whatever's going on in our lives that's still true um, for a christian believer our body our mind remains a temple of the holy spirit um so for an older person struggling with with health problems physical or mental um, it, yeah, it can be hard to make sense of things. It can be hard to see God's hand at work and to trust him. Um, but they are precious to him. They are dearly loved by God. Um, and, you know, I, I really do believe he can be their strength. He can be their refuge. Mm. Secondly, for for those in the church family, um, we are all called to bear each other's burdens. Mm. Um, and, th- you know, this can and should cross the generations. It should mm. cross differences or potential divides um so that may be uh, as simple as a word of encouragement might be praying for for one another um it might be offering practical help i mean there's a whole whole load of things that we can do for our our brothers and sisters in christ Mm.
0: yeah definitely thank you um so yeah just kind of building on that how how might we encourage and and help each other as a church family do you think
1: um it it will look it can look different for for everybody um mm. you know we can all look for ways to encourage and build one another up um it might be something as simple as uh talking to someone in the church who mm. who you don't know mm. uh someone who the kind of person you wouldn't normally approach um mm. but and as we're getting back into the church building, I think there's many opportunities mm. for that mm. if you know somebody who is a carer or someone who's, who who maybe has dementia then um, I would say don't, don't be embarrassed to, to ask them how they're getting on. Mm. Um, ask them how you can pray for them. Mm. Um, e- even if they can't give you a clear answer or the conversation doesn't go anywhere, you can be praying for for, for other people. Mm. Um, I, I think if you think someone is struggling, it's always better to say something because even a small word of kindness um, can, can work wonders. Mm. Um, there will be those of us in the church family who um are, are really well placed to offer practical physical help um so that may be you know shopping running errands it might be doing things to give a carer a break uh, a, you know a bit of time out um and if you're not sure how you might be able to help but you'd like to then why not speak to a member of the leadership team um i'm sure they'd be very pleased to direct your time and your energy um and then other people maybe just don't have the time or the, the ability to 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 do things like that but um if, if there's someone you know who you think needs some support then of course you can speak to a, a member of the leadership team you can speak to someone in the um in the care team um I mean, i'm not talking about things just within church but of course there are there are other resources there is there is help through the NHS through Devon County Council uh, through charities such as Age UK um, and the Alzheimer's Society um, and sometimes it's a case of directing someone towards them um, so I mean lots of stuff and I'm sure I've missed um, I've, I've missed some really important stuff but I think we can all do something for one another.
0: Mm, absolutely yeah and um, yeah there's loads of different ways you're right in which we we can help so uh, thank you for drawing our, our collective attention to those and um, yeah thank you that you, you've taken the time to to speak with us today um you're probably going to want to head back and and rest now but uh, we will certainly be praying for you to feel better soon and for everybody who works um whether it's the nhs or the care industry or carers at home we certainly want to be holding you up in the really valuable work that you do so okay. bless you and thank you very much james take care bye-bye just as the um just the band get ready to to lead us in sung worship let me uh, read to you some words that I'll use as a, po- uh, a poem that James sent me that I think are, are good as a, as a prayer. It's called Beatitudes for Friends of the Aged. Blessed are they who understand my faltering step and palsied hand. Blessed are they who know that my ears today must strain to catch the things they say. Blessed are they who seem to know that my eyes are dim and my wits are slow. Blessed are they who looked away when coffee spilt at table today. Blessed are they with a cheery smile who stop to chat for a little while. Blessed are they who never say, you've told that story twice today. Blessed are they who know the ways to bring back memories of yesterdays. Blessed are they who make it known that I'm loved, respected and not alone. Blessed are they who know I'm at a loss to find the strength to carry the cross. Blessed are they who ease the days on my journey home in loving ways. Amen.